into in one. All right, everybody, welcome to episode number 124 of the Between the Cracks podcast. I am your host, Bill, and with me, as always, is my co <laughs> is my co-host, Chris. Chris, here we are. We are in the last week of Hudson Valley Horror Month. <laughs> now, I know we said we were going to do four episodes, but uh, unfortunately, time restraints uh, kept us away from doing that. So we're going to finish Hudson Valley Horror Month off with three episodes. And, and this hey, one... never say never, Bill. <laughs> well, maybe. Maybe if we find enough energy within the next day or two, we'll, we'll, we'll uh, squeeze one in. But uh, I, I highly doubt that's happening. A- anyway, Chris, please. Uh, it, it's ice cold out here in the BTCRF tonight. I am... I'm freezing, but this is a good segue now that I think about it. It's not as cold as where we're going to be headed tonight, but uh, we're going to be staying in the Hudson Valley as promised, but we're going to be heading under agua. What do you think of that, mi amigo? I guess for starters, I wonder why all of a sudden you're speaking Spanish. (laughs) Chris, please. Tonight, bud, we are headed into the depths of the beautiful Hudson River to try to uncover something. Now, I say something because we don't know exactly what this thing is. But with that said, we're diving right into the Hudson to search for Kipsy. Now, I'm sure a lot of people out there in podcast land have never heard of Kipsy. K-I-P-S-Y, by the way. But Kipsy is our very own local legend here in the Hudson Valley. That's right. Kipsy is a Hudson River monster that is said to live within the deeper parts of the Hudson River throughout the Hudson Valley. Now, there have been a number of sightings through the years, and some seem somewhat credible because there has been an influx of... Some rather bizarre guests making their way into the Hudson. And we're going to be getting into some of those accounts in a little bit. But let's stay with uh, Kipsy here for a second. Because some tend to believe that Kipsy could possibly be the world famous champ. The lake monster which is said to live in Lake Champlain. Now here's the thing about champ as well as Kipsy. The eyewitness accounts vary fairly dramatically, uh, specifically when we're talking about the size of Champ. The range goes from 10 feet (laughs) to about 200 feet. Now, correct me if I'm wrong here, but that's quite a a big difference. Well, you know, it all, uh, it starts out with the uh, first sighting being 10 feet. And then every subsequent sighting, it, it gets larger and larger, much much like a fisherman would uh, describe their their catches. Yeah, very good point. Very good point. I, th- I think you may be on to something there, Chris. But uh, we're going to get more into Champ as uh, the episode rolls along because, like I said, some think that maybe Champ has wiggled his way down to the Hudson River. Now, now that's absolutely terrifying. And I'll tell you what, just the remote possibility of this thing actually existing and being within the depths of the Hudson River, you won't catch me within the stone's throw of the shore of the Hudson. We should mention a little bit, I guess, about 
the Hudson River because it is famous. Yes, uh, I mean, it, it, yes, it is world famous, and uh, well, I mean, it, it's uh, nationally famous. I would definitely say that uh, it's very popular within our neck of the woods, obviously. But you're correct, Chris. Uh, maybe we should give a brief synopsis of the Hudson to some of the listeners that may not be familiar with us. Sweet baby bubble boy, let me ask you this. The Hudson River, what do you know about it? Uh, The Hudson River is a 315-mile-long river that spans most of New York State. It has depths ranging anywhere from 30 feet to, (laughs) get this, 202 feet. No way, Which, really? Is that is that accurate? Yeah, uh, it, it goes, uh, some sections are 160 feet deep, and the deepest part is apparently 202 feet. Oh my god, I would die. I, dude, I had no idea. Well, they actually have a nickname for that deepest part of the Hudson River. It's referred to as World's End. Due to the uh, composition of uh, the Hudson River, because it mixes in with water from the ocean, it does contain brackish water, which means that you will find all sorts of marine life in its depths. Also, sturgeon uh, reside in the Hudson River, and they can get very big, uh, I believe upwards of 15 feet long or so at their largest. So that alone would scare the shit out of anybody if you saw that uh, swimming along in the water. They are horrifying but looking. Very. And uh, they have that, I, th- I think they have that very uh, kind of stiff dorsal fin on them too, yes. don't they? Uh, it, it almost looks like um, like jagged teeth running along its back. Yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely not something you want to encounter uh, whilst in the water. But their caviar is, is basically world-renowned. I mean, it's, I think, some of the most expensive caviar out there on the market. So, sturgeon caviar? Like sturgeon yeah. eggs? Yeah. 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 Who eats uh, caviar? Have you ever met anybody in your life that's actually eaten caviar? I haven't. I I have, but I, I could count on one hand for sure. Who is it? Well, I hardly Who? think that's worth mentioning. Who is it? I hardly think that is necessary to mention. Oh, maybe you're right, Chris. But you said something very interesting. You mentioned that the water within the Hudson is brackish. And that's one thing we really should know is that the Hudson River is actually an estuary. Now, an estuary is defined as a partially enclosed coastal water body where fresh water from rivers and streams (laughs) mixes with salt water from the ocean. So, uh, Chris, I mean, to me, th- this sounds like a very dangerous mixed drink <laughs> because you're leaving the door wide open for, um, I don't want to say unwanted guests, but uh, guests that you wouldn't normally see floating uh, within the beautiful waters over the Hudson. Access granted. Now, before we get into the bizarre guests that seem to show up in the Hudson every once in a while, I thought maybe it was a good idea that we go through some of the fish and mammals that are indigenous to the Hudson, Chris. So I'm looking at a list here, and these are some of the basic fish that you're going to find within uh, the Hudson River. Striped bass, an American shad, and as you mentioned before, the Atlantic 
sturgeon, which can grow to be quite large. But in addition to that, we have some trout. We have your favorite fish, the pumpkin seed, apparently. Uh, we have catfish. Yep, we have catfish, striped bass, northern pike. We have crabs down there, which grosses me out. We also have catfish, which are gross as well. And in addition to that, and possibly in my view, the the, the grossest and, and the the one that I would least want to encounter is the American eel. And I want you guys to keep the eel in mind uh, for later on in the episode because it kind of plays into this whole mess we find ourselves in. There's turtles within the Hudson. We have uh, birds flying all around. We have the majestic bald eagle which happens to make the Hudson Valley its home. And you can see them quite a bit now uh, flying up and down the river. So, I mean, there's a lot going on in the waters and on the shores of the Hudson. That's just a, a snippet of some of the uh, living inhabitants of the Hudson. But as we said, it's an estuary. So leaving that salt water door open, as we know, the Hudson connects to the Atlantic down there in New York City. Leaving that door open, you might just find yourself with some uninvited guests. Wouldn't you say? Well, yes, uh, you could say that, because uh, if anyone recalls, there is a species of shark. I don't like where this is headed. That does like to reside in brackish water, especially for the purposes of giving birth. <laughs> what are you getting at here? <laughs> well, I'm really glad you asked because I'm sure uh, the listeners are wondering what the hell we're doing. Uh, finally trying to get to the point here, but... Uh, Please, God, let's finish this up. <laughs> this is... Uh, we forgot to tell you, this is actually not about Kipsy. This is a, uh, a history lesson in the Hudson River. <laughs> oh, my God. River. I mean, this was just supposed to be a brief history of the Hudson River. Chris, it's taking up the whole program. <laughs> okay, I'll get to it. The bull shark, which, uh, by the by, happens to be the most aggressive species of shark out there, they will, from time to time, swim into rivers. And I'm sure the Hudson River has been one of them. If you needed any other reason to not ever want to swim in the Hudson River, there's one for you. But it's really more disgusting than that, I should say. The the whole reason most people probably don't really care to swim in the Hudson River is, uh, well, from time to time, they will discover a body or two. Yes, and I'm glad you bring that up, Chris, because I found a list here of some items that have been found at the bottom <laughs> Of the Hudson, and we're gonna get more, and we're going to get back into the uninvited guests in a bit. But uh, I, I thought this was a good time to bring in some of the bizarre items that they found uh, at the bottom. And here's a list: three hundred ships, so three hundred vessels that have uh, met their demise on the waters of the Hudson. And, and I know they could get rough sometimes, but I mean, my God, that's quite a bit. In addition to that, a freight train has been found down there. And uh, as you had just noted, uh, dead bodies. And uh, it says here, cars, bikes. They even found a grand piano down there. And uh, this one I found quite disturbing, Chris, and quite bizarre. And this wasn't one of the unwanted guests, but uh, unfortunately, they found the remains of a giraffe down there. 
I, I guess we failed to mention that uh, giraffes were native to uh, <laughs> at one point. Well, uh, apparently, I mean, this is tragic. Uh, it says that the thing had fled from the circus. He was probably running for his life and, um, you know, just fell into uh, the, the huts in there. And we know how those circus people care for these animals. They probably didn't even give a shit. And, uh, I mean, if they caught the thing, it was probably catching and beating anyway. So, I mean, I mean, that's just a very odd thing to find back there. Now, here's uh, some more uh, bad news, Chris. The Hudson River is home to a rather decent amount of human waste. And in addition to the waste, they've found <laughs> pieces of uh, uh, toilet paper mixed in with uh, said waste. And apparently this is coming from overflowing sewage pipes, which release uh, <laughs> excrement. Well, which makes me think about the other thing that they found in their ice cream trucks. Well, I mean, my God, this sounds like the most uninviting body of water ever. But get this, 1,600 silver bars worth over $26 million. The Guggenheim treasure was found at the bottom of the Hudson. So, I mean, maybe I would dive into the uh, this cesspool for a shot at uh, winning 26 million bucks. <laughs> a, uh, a diamond in the rough, so to speak, I guess. <laughs> so, in addition to all that bizarre stuff, Chris, like I said, we have some unwanted guests. You said that there was actually bull sharks that will make their way up into uh, the river here. And actually, that is quite the understatement because in uh, 2020, a gentleman who lives up in Hudson, New York, which is all the way up in Columbia County, took a video of what they deemed to be a bull shark in the Hudson River. And, And apparently, this was just a very young bull shark. So as you said, the mother probably came to give birth in the Hudson, and this thing just made its way north. You could be all the ways upstate in Columbia County, just taking your little kayak out, not thinking anything's going to happen. And then all of a sudden you see a fin rise out of the still waters. That's enough for me to never go in any body of water again if I saw that in person. I mean, I, I, I'm not even safe in my area. This is this is terrifying. Yeah, I mean, it's not, that, not that anyone's really swimming in the Hudson River. But I mean, not even so. you take a kayak, friends that take kayaks out. And I've seen a video recently of a shark attacking a kayak. So, I mean, if it's pissed off enough, if it's in a bad mood, which I'm sure sharks probably get in a bad mood, and it doesn't want you in its way, it's going to, you know, make its presence known. It's going to hit you or bump you at least. And if you're in a kayak, you're going under. And then who the hell knows what's going to happen after that. Oh, yeah. And your head just poking out. Just waiting for <laughs> oh, a God. snack. Good grief. Uh, but uh, anyway, I mean, that's enough about sharks in the Hudson. So uh, obviously there are some sharks that that come up and down uh, the waterways here once in a while. But uh, in addition to that, not too long ago, I should mention up in Saugerties, there's been a seal that has been spotted in and out of the water. So <laughs> that's another thing. I mean, they're cute looking, but if you're in the water and you're not expecting that thing, I mean, you don't need to see some kind of weird little sea dog popping his little head up at you. It honestly really doesn't matter what it is. I don't want anything near me if I'm in the water. So now we have sharks, we have seals, but but here's the real kicker, Chris. Here's the real kicker, and this one was shocking to me. Apparently, a few years back, a manatee, of all things, made its way up the Hudson. 
Well, Chris, I'll tell you this much. If our friend the manatee can make it all the way from South Florida up to the Hudson River, he has to be extremely motivated and have such intestinal fortitude to never give up. He obviously had the ability to stay focused and energized, which makes me think he must have been taking his two-ounce shot of Magic Mind a day. You don't know what Magic Mind is, you say? Well, allow me to tell you. Magic Mind is a fully optimized blend of adaptogens, neurotropics, and functional mushrooms. And one of the many things that I love about it is that it comes in a small two-ounce shot. But don't be fooled. This magical little elixir packs quite the punch. People use Magic Mind for a variety of reasons, whether it be to elevate your mood, increase your motivation. But for me, and as I've said many times on this show, it helps to reduce my stress and anxiety. <laughs> Because like I said many times on this show, I am one of the most anxious people you're ever going to meet in your life. And taking my shot of Magic Mind every morning has completely turned that around. I know what you're thinking. What could possibly be in this magical little elixir that can create such a positive effect? Well, there's just too many things to mention, but I will go over a few. There is matcha, turmeric, organic lion's mane, vitamin C, vitamin B complex, and many, many more. And if you don't mind, I'm going to add a little something extra to this. <laughs> That's right. We here at BTC have a special code for you. If you go to magicmind.com forward slash BTC, you will receive 20% off both one-time purchases and subscriptions. And if it couldn't get any better than that, hold on to your hats. Because if you use this code within the first 10 days you can receive up to 56% off of subscriptions. So please, people, what are you waiting for? Get out there and try Magic Mind today. That is magic, M-A-G-I-C, mind, M-I-N-D, dot com, forward slash B-T-C. Use the code B-T-C-20 and let the adventures begin. Speaking of adventures, Chris, we've beat the history uh, of the Hudson River and its inhabitants into the ground now, okay? I mean, the, the river is basically drained. I mean, this is how long we've gone on with the description of the Hudson. But we need to get into what tonight's episode is all about. And that is Kipsy, the Hudson River monster. As I said in the beginning, some people think that this might actually be Champ from Lake Champlain fame. There have been numerous eyewitness accounts of people claiming that they have seen Champ all the ways up in Lake Champlain. Now, the theory here is that the sightings that have taken place, and this is recently, within the last few years, particularly between Dutchess and Ulster County. So we're looking at Poughkeepsie to the east and New Paltz to the west. That's where a majority of the sightings are taking place, and uh, as well as all the ways down into New York City. So with that said, and without an actual total body description of what Poughkeepsie is, I think we should kind of compare it to Champ. And I'm going to ask you here, Chris, uh, can you give us a, a little description? Because you are our resident verbal description expert. So, Chris, I'm going to ask you right now. When you look at Champ, what is it that you see? As I'm looking here, uh, Champ, much like many of the pictures that you see of Old Nessie or the Loch Ness Monster, which uh, we know, of course resides in Loch Ness in Scotland. And Scotland. Loch 
means lake. Lake Ness. How about that? Thank you for that bit of information. Lock Champlain. <laughs> so Champ, which has been referred to as the American Loch Ness Monster, looks just like the Loch Ness Monster. Uh, it has that very long neck, that head that to me actually looks like a Brachiosaurus, uh, if you've ever seen those long-necked dinosaurs. And then it has that humped back, which basically signifies the rest of its I guess, larger body that's kind of exposed at the surface of the water. And of course, much like all the Loch Ness Monster photos, it is extremely blurry. Aren't they always? <laughs> I mean, this could merely be a piece of driftwood, but uh, of course it is in fact proof that, it, that that champ exists. So yeah, very, very similar in uh, appearance. You know, but it's funny that you say that about driftwood. I'm looking at these photos, and uh, upon further investigation, it looks like it could just be a, a very large, and I mean very large, piece of driftwood. One that's kind of curved, where it's sticking out of one end, it goes back under, and then it's uh, re-emerging a few yards away. So uh, you could be onto something there, Chris. <laughs> one would think that uh, if it were to be a piece of driftwood, you'd easily be able to approach it without it moving because of course it would, it would not be alive i will say this because i've seen large pieces of driftwood on the hudson i and bet when, you have <laughs> what the hell's that supposed to mean uh so when when the water is a little bit rough and the wind's blowing you know the wood is moving around so it, it does look like it could be a living creature emerging from the, the water and it, it can play tricks with your mind where you think that this item is indeed kind of uh, moving around on its own. I will say, given the pictures that I'm looking at here, I guess I could see how it might be driftwood, but it definitely has a certain shape and smoothness and curve to it that I would be more inclined to think it was not a piece of driftwood. Now, Chris, I just sent you a, a picture of one of uh, the sightings and a piece of photographic evidence of uh, what people claim to be Kipsy. It does have the appearance uh, of being a piece of driftwood, but I would say more so than that. Chris, I mean, I hate to say it, and this could be even creepier than being an, an underwater cryptid. This looks like a very large, and I mean very large, eel... Or water snake. It looks like a fucking anaconda is what it looks like. Oh, dude, I don't know. I mean, that, that, that look at the curvature in the back. That definitely does not look like driftwood to me. I mean, I could be wrong, but... You know, my first actually thought was that it was driftwood. That would be my common sense, of course, coming through here. But if you do look closer to the backside of that picture, you'll notice a couple of what appears to be almost like knots. Uh, almost like what you would see if a... Uh, you know, after a branch had broken off from a main branch. So to me, that looks like it could be driftwood because of that reason. Plus, uh, the mention that this could be Kipsy, and as you mentioned, this really looks a little bit less like that and more like a giant snake, which I will have to say, I could see that. Well, uh, which, which, which would be more horrifying, like I said, uh, than, than Kipsy itself. Based off of this picture and the distance that it's at, that thing would have to easily be 15 to 20 feet long. Yeah, but you know, uh, you're right. Now that I look at it, there looks like there's a piece of 
there's definitely something emerging from the the back of this thing. But uh, I, I will say this, though, and if you zoom into the picture a little bit more, Chris, you see those ripples in the water as if signifying that this thing was swimming. Do you see how the ripples are kind of drifting away from the creature here? I do see the ripples. I have a different theory about those ripples. <laughs> I think those are merely ripples from a boat that might have passed by because it appears that there looks like a, a bit of a wake further out in the picture where the water is kind of smoother, where a boat would probably had likely just passed by not that long ago. Well, aren't you great? Well, what do you think about that? <laughs> uh, Chris, uh, I mean, you have me stumped yet again. I, I think you might be on to something. It, it very well could be a wake from a boat. What the hell do I know? For the sake of the show, Chris, please, let, let's examine this a little bit more. Uh, you know, the, the, the scary thing here for me is that this could potentially be, if not a snake, and we said they live in the Hudson, a very large eel. Now, now, Chris, let me ask you, because <laughs> I know you've done your, your, your research here on the Hudson River. How large do the eels get in the Hudson? Please don't, don't tell me 25, 30 feet. I'm begging you. <laughs> it appears that the American eel can get upwards of four feet. So, uh, I mean, that's frightening uh, to see in person, I'm sure, but. But just like anything else, That's... I mean, we, we've had manatees, shark. I mean, maybe we have some kind of behemoth eel making its way in from the Atlantic. I mean, I guess you never know. Like we said, because this is uh, fresh and salt water, really kind of expands the uh, amount of species of things that could be floating about. But there is indeed a, a river giant that lurks beneath the surface of the Hudson. And we actually have confirmation of this creature. Get this, bud. It is over 14 feet long. Chris, I'm talking about the sturgeon that we mentioned earlier on in the show. Now, let me ask you this, Chris. Say you're, I don't know, standing back on the shore. Maybe you're about 25, 30, 40 feet away, whatever the case may be. And you see a sturgeon, a 14-foot river giant, slowly emerge from the depths. It has a snake-like face. It has a very long snout. And not only that, it also has a dorsal fin. So, Chris, you put all these things together. I mean, you know, we say 14 feet, and we think, wow, that, that's huge. But you see that in the river, and it's unexpected to you. you. You could see how it could kind of get blown out of proportion where, oh, this thing had to be 20 feet. It had to be 40 feet long. You know, you could see how that can easily happen. And if you look at all the characteristics of this giant sturgeon, I mean, it, it looks very much prehistoric. So, I mean, it could easily pass as an eel, a snake, or even an unknown cryptid. Chris, what do you think about that? Hmm. I could definitely see, given the size anyway. Now, of course, the 14-foot sturgeons are pretty rare, so the sightings wouldn't be frequent. They more likely are anywhere between 6 and 8 feet, which, of course, is big enough for me. But yes, this this does have prehistoric looks to it. Actually, that those kind of scales that you had mentioned earlier on give it this almost alligator-like scales on its back. 
if you were to not see the dorsal fin, which by the way, the dorsal fin is located way at the back, close to its tail, which unlike something like a shark would be located more of its midsection. Yeah, it's right on um, his ass. <laughs> he's got an ass tail. Um, and there actually is an anal fin. Uh, I'm actually looking at the anatomy right here. <laughs> no, 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 come on. But yes, this has a, have these row of these bony plates on its back. Now, of course, if it's back, which is not very humped, but there's a slight hump to it, if it were to breach the water before the rest of it, uh, it would appear to be, I wouldn't say really just like what the Kipsy is being d described as, just because that seems and appears to be that more of a smooth hump to it. Uh, with that long neck, but nonetheless, it would definitely pique my interest, and I certainly uh, would not be going towards it, but rather far as possible from it. Yeah, but the, like you, like you said, those scales, and what an astute observation I might add, those scales do somewhat resemble that of an alligator or a crocodile, and uh, who the hell knows if they've ever been in a Hudson, Chris? Ooh, I'm sure. Unlike you, I can see how someone could perceive the giant sturgeon as uh, an unknown cryptid. Most people are not used to seeing a fish that big. And if you were to encounter one that popped up that was 14 feet long, I mean, I mean, I, I would know what the, to think. Had I not known about sturgeons. If you're looking at this thing from afar, especially on land, and God forbid if you're in a kayak or something and you see it emerge... You know, you don't have a very good overview of, of what this thing really is. You, you're just seeing this large creature start to slowly emerge and make its way towards you. So, I mean, your perception could kind of be off as to what you're seeing. Oh, oh, absolutely. Especially yeah, when you're moving in a boat of some sort and, and you can't really get the feeling of, of how this thing is moving in the water. And hopefully, for your sake, it's not moving towards you. Um and, you know, like we said, there's lots of things floating in the Hudson River to just mistake something for a cryptid or, or vice versa or dismissing it as something else. In the past, though, there has been very uh, famous vessels that have logged uh, sightings of these sea creature-like beasts, uh, for lack of a better word, floating and moving about in the Hudson River. And now, one thing I always like to think about is way back in the day when there was more land, there was uh, things that were undisturbed, you know, yet to be discovered sort of thing. You're more likely to have seen things back then that would no longer either exist or that would have moved on or are no longer in that location. So back then, they're much more likely to see something that probably bizarre than we would be able to today just because there's so many ships and boats on the water to scare things around you know you're, you're less likely to, to come across i would say something like maybe they would be able to back in the day but there's a first report here of the ship known as the claremont which was uh was actually a steamboat which dates back to the early 1800s and whilst it's floating along, it comes across some sort of a creature. Tell me more. Well, apparently, aside from the Claremont, there was other notable vessels that claimed that they saw this similar uh, sea serpent-like creature that was in the water. So, tell me more. 
I'm trying to. <laughs> Uh, but then after that, there apparently Henry Hudson himself, uh, his ship, which was known as the Half Moon, had reports that there were sea serpents in the Hudson as well, or, or at least one of note. Old Henry here and his crew, I, I might add, apparently put in the recorded log that they saw a creature that had not one, not two, that's right, thrice humps Ooh. and a snake's head oh my god that's not that's not good but i mean we're going back hundreds and hundreds of years we're going back almost almost four centuries at this point i mean who's to say that uh, you know something that large did not call the hudson its home and quite possibly could have gone extinct within uh, all the time that's passed or <laughs> maybe just maybe it was Kipsy. And now, of course, old Kipsy uh, has been reduced to a single hump at this point, I think. So. <laughs> well, with, with, with pollution and, uh, you know, not paying his taxes for the climate change. and uh... <laughs> uh, A two-hump tax, of course. <laughs> now, if all keeps going uh, as it has been, Chris, by centuries end, Kipsy will be reduced to the size of a minnow. Well, all we saw in that picture was uh, what appeared to be a head, so perhaps that is all that's left of Kipsy. <laughs> the, 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 the pollution of the Hudson has taken its toll. But, uh, Chris, uh, let, let's wrap this up. Let me ask you, going through everything we spoke about tonight, what says you? Is there anything to this Hudson River monster known as Kipsy? What do you think? If I'm being quite honest with you, which I like to think I always am, I'm not buying it. I think this is nothing more than some driftwood that people have come across. Uh, I really can't stand the fuzzy pictures of what <laughs> what appears to be photographic proof of a, uh, a cryptid. Or yes, yeah, so this would be as to. if uh, Zach Bagans had become an oceanographer and uh, was trying to find, uh, was trying to uh, take pictures of a cryptid himself, whereas he just couldn't get it in focus. But it's there. It's uh -oh. there. <laughs> you bet your sweet ass it is. So, I mean, so Chris, basically if I'm hearing you correctly, you're saying that this is no more than a piece of driftwood. That's uh, that's what I think. Yep, I, I do not believe this is Kipsy. I, I hate say. to do this to you, pal, but I'm you're you're getting hit with the hostile crowd. So, Chris, you know I didn't want to do that, but you left me with absolutely no choice. I had to. So, let me see if I can put a little bit of a positive spin on this. Like you, I do not believe, I'm going to come right out and say it, I do not believe that this is any kind of bizarre, unknown cryptid. I don't think it's Champ making his way down uh, into uh, Dutchess County here. But, with that said, I also don't believe that it's a piece of driftwood. I believe that this creature is indeed alive. As we said, they've just discovered a 14-foot sturgeon in the Hudson. And... As you had said early in the program, the Hudson goes down to depths of over 200 feet. Unless we drain the waters, we're never going to know everything that lurks below. 
Now, in waters of that depth, perhaps, just perhaps, there's a 30-foot sturgeon, a 40-foot sturgeon. We don't know. Scientists don't know because they haven't come across it yet. But maybe, on some rare occasion, it made its way to the top and reared its ugly head. (laughs) Then there may have been a poor, unsuspecting soul that uh, caught a glimpse of it. So I'm going to say, Chris, I think what these people are seeing is a very, very large sturgeon. One that has yet to be recorded by scientists. How's that for putting a positive spin on this? Oh, okay. Well, I, I I will say this. Okay. Just because I don't believe in Kipsy, the cryptid O, the Hudson does not mean that I do not believe that there are serious marine creatures that dwell in the depths, especially of a river that's 202 feet deep at its uh, deepest point. Things that remain in the dark and that are very, very large, that rarely see the light of day, I believe there are many very massive creatures that we have not seen that do actually exist. Oh, there he is. He's back. All right. I, I, I like that you're, 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 you're on board a little bit here, Chris. So, uh, guys, let's take away those booze. Let's turn those booze upside down. Let's hear it for Chris. So, Chris, that's it. That is the legend of Kipsy, the Hudson River monster. I mean... <laughs> We really don't know, and uh, I sure as hell don't think we're going to find out. So, uh, I mean, it is now down to about 40 degrees below zero out here in the BTCRF. I I must get out of here for the night if I'm going to survive. So let me give the rundown. If you want to get in touch with us, you can reach us at btcpod2020 at gmail.com, or you can get in touch with us on Instagram, Between the Cracks Podcast. If you would like to become one of our lovely patrons, you could do so by clicking on the link in the show notes. So, uh, Chris, with all that said, what do you say we wish to find, find people out in podcast land the fondest? Oh, a farewell. Only we could manage to make this. Jesus. Fuck it. That was a fucking history lesson. What the fuck? <laughs>